Welcome to the tailgate brought to you by campus2canton.com. It's week four of the college football season. We've got the whole crew finally back here together again. All of us, all of us uh, here in one place. Uh, I'm here with Colin Decker, with Matthew Bruning, with Brandon Hay, with Chris Moxley. It's a, it's, it's a schedule this week with fewer marquee matchups. Does it look like we care? We are still excited for college football this week. There's always fun to be had. Let's jump right into this thing, guys. We've had some games already. We've had a few here Thursday, Friday nights. Uh, some big performances. Uh, Marshall App State. Uh, in that game, Rasheen Ali, Chris, had himself a nice night. You've been uh, hyping him for a little bit. Um, talk a little bit about his performance and uh, and what you're thinking about him moving forward. Yeah, it was really impressive. He's he's been solid all year. He 376 yards, eight touchdowns. He's already got 11 receptions. He's just involved in all phases of the game. Um, he's probably Marshall's best player. He returned a kick this week. I mean, he was just efficient on the ground against App State. And App State's a good, solid team. So to see him do that against a team that's not Navy or East Carolina, that was really impressive in, in itself. So I think Ali is one of those guys that you can pretty much plug in and, and play weekly. And he's a, uh, he's a redshirt freshman. So you're getting a couple of years of production from him, which is awesome. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, he's just been super impressive. He's got good size too. I'm not really sure if he has any NFL upside, probably not, but I mean, he, he's one of those guys that will, pl you could plug and play possibly for the next few years. And, and that has value in itself. Yeah. I mean, that kickoff return, a little bit of trickeration on it but you know still 97 yards for a starting running back not something you see every day uh a couple other big games here um let's see you uh, and or um fresno state a team coming off a big emotional win last week against ucla uh came out flat last night but it didn't matter they were bailed out by jalen cropper colin what did Cropper do last night? I'm sure some of us woke up to be uh, very happy with our fantasy scores this morning. Yeah, so like you said, they did come out very flat here uh, in this one. Uh, it was kind of surprising, but given the, uh, the big game that they had last week, um, you know, it's it's not totally not totally out of the realm of possibility to have a little bit of a hangover there. Um, Jake Hayner looks okay on this one, but um, like you said, uh, uh, Jalen Cropper um, had a solid day there uh, in this one. Um, I mean, he's just kind of been what we come to expect in uh, from all of these. Uh, every week, week in, week out, he's having a big game. 10, 108, four touchdowns, um, just monster game here. Um, second what? game back to back on over a hundred yards. So. Was it decent or was it monster? Cause you've given us both <laughs> of those adjectives in the last uh, 30 seconds here, Colin monster game. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Just wanted to check in monster game on that one. Um, the four TDs there is he scored in every single game. You can't expect four touchdowns every game, but you can expect at least one. Um, quarterback performance this week, guys, Matt Wells there, uh, uh, a guy I know that that I mean, Matt likes a lot. Uh, I know there are other people that that are big Grant Wells fans as well. 18 for 33, 270 uh, yards, uh, one touchdown. Um, had some NFL throws in that game. I think he really showed off kind of the the arm strength. He's you know, an he's NFL been NFL QB, Austin. He is an NFL QB. So him and Jake Hayner, both NFL QBs. Write that down, folks. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's been very hot and cold. I think this is a nice performance for him. Hopefully he can get back on track there. That Marshall team will only go as far as as Grant Wells can take them, right? I mean, no, I'll, I'll do respect to Rasheen Ali. Yes, everybody. Cool. Okay. Yes. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Sorry. Yeah, I was. No, yeah, good. I agree with you. And uh, was I the only one who heard him call him Matt Wells at the beginning, or was it Grant Wells? Maybe I just misheard that. But Grant Wells is. I think he's a really good quarterback. I mean, I, I, I think Rasheen Ali can help change things for them. But the way that I think those two are building, I, I do think that Marshall's a very good team. I think they've already lost two games on the year, though, unfortunately. But uh, Grant Wells, you know, I, you know, maybe not an NFL starter, but I think he's got a shot to be a backup. I know. When when you get a guy like Alfred on you on Twitter talking about all the NFL throws he's making, it makes you know some some dumb idiot like me feel at least a little bit good that somebody else likes him. Last big performance here before we start talking about today, guys. Sean Tucker last night for Syracuse and uh, a big win there over Liberty. I mean, he he just went off last night. He was their leading rusher. He was their leading receiver. Brandon, uh, talk a little bit about Tucker um, and and what your opinion of him is, um, you know, especially if it's changed at all since the beginning of the season. Sure. I like Sean Tucker um, beginning of the season, but more just as a producer on the college side. But he's really impressed. Um, it's even more impressive last night because uh, Syracuse went to Garrett Schrader, who's more of a runner. They only passed it for 77 yards. So, you know, Liberty knew they were going to run it with Tucker. And he still was he, – he's able to grind out the tough yards, and he has that speed when he gets outside, as you can see, with the long touchdown. He had, as you said, 169 yards, and they kind of just used the running game against Liberty. Um, you know, they, they got out to a lead, and then um, – Malik Willis came back, and then they were able to ride Tucker to the end, you know, to just grind out and win by a field goal. But I think he uh, he has some uh, potential, you know, on the NFL side, not nearly as high as the top three bats in 2023. But I think he's showed some great things so far this season. Um, you know, he can run between the tackles and run outside. And like I said, you know, Syracuse's offense isn't really uh, potent, so – um, especially through the air. So him being able to get all these yards each game is very impressive. And last last game he had over almost over 100 uh, yards receiving. So he's a dual threat type running back. Yeah, he Can definitely I, uh, does. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, go ahead. No, I got, I want to ask you guys a question about Malik Willis, but um, my bad. Finish up what you're going to say about Tucker. Uh, I was going to say, he, the, the big thing about him that, that Brandon just mentioned there, he does seem like he's scheme versatile. Which I think is going to help his draft stock. It seems like he can play zone. You know, he can he can run a little power if he needs to. I mean, they there are a bunch of different ways you can run him, and I think his his burst and his athletic ability um, will, will definitely help him in that regard. Uh, go ahead, Matt. Malik Willis had had a decent. I had a couple of nice throws last night. I mean, I'm not he did. Willis's biggest fan, but he he definitely had some 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 decent throws. He had some very good throws, but he also didn't play well, in my opinion. I watched most of that game. Does that I know none of us have been, you know, talking about him being a number one pick, but he's definitely getting that buzz by a lot of people. Do you think that the game last night hurt him in any way? Because I agree he had it was at least three or four really good throws, some that were, I mean, absolute dimes down the field. I will give him that. But he didn't play good. And I tweeted this out earlier in the year. They they really only have two tough opponents. One of them was Syracuse defense and another one. Yes, he's played good against the teams he should easily beat, but when you play a team like Syracuse, I would think if you're a first-round draft capital quarterback, you should be able to go out there, maybe not dominate them, but have a better game than he had. 
I, I'm right there with you in terms of, I didn't think he was, I watched a lot of that game too. Um, but I, Willis has not shown out in his opportunities to do so against power five opponents in general. Um, heading to the Syracuse game, he was under 200 um, pass yards per game, 59% completion percentage. Like he just, he just doesn't perform well against power five opponents. Like we haven't seen him take over a game in like against a good team. I don't think last night hurt him. Cause I think he made a really good throws and I'm, I'm pretty much 100% convinced he's a first rounder at this point. Like, there's pretty much no way. I don't think he isn't, but I don't know how high his ceiling is, and I don't think last night's game was very particularly impressive for him. Like, I would like to see him. I would like to see him beat Syracuse. It's really the bottom line. They came in as favorites and lost. That that was the minimum expectation. I think there. I mean, you think of you think of. I mean, everyone wants to compare him to Lamar Jackson. Lamar elevated that Louisville team. They beat some some good teams with him there. I'm not sure that the surrounding cast there was significantly better than what's at Liberty right now. I mean, he was not there with Devontae Parker. I think that's kind of a, a people think that they were together. They did not overlap at all. I mean, he didn't really have any skill position talent there. The one thing that, that, that Willis struggled with last night, which surprised me a little bit, Syracuse pass rush was, was good. It wasn't quite like that weak pass rush in that that Virginia game where they were just getting three guys free right off the snap. He did not handle the pass rush very well. He got sacked six times, and a lot of them were him just like hanging in there too long and like just messing around with it a little too much. Did anybody else think that same exact thing as you were watching this? He has bad pocket presence. Yeah, he wants he will either escapes too soon or has no idea how to handle the the blip, like just like, any pressure. Like he is, I don't think he has good pocket presence. I think that's like I wanna, a huge red flag with him. Yeah, I want to say it was the third quarter. It may have been the early fourth where they were still they had they had already come back and tied it 21-21, and they were on the short side of the field, and he ran out to the short side of the field, and literally there were four defenders that just collapsed on it, and he just tried to sit there and avoid four defenders in this small area and got hit like by all three of them at once, it was just bad. I, I, I'm again. I've never really boosted him as a first round pick. Um, I don't know. Maybe Moxley's right, and he's just going to get it because of the upside that he is projected to have. But I, I'm very worried about when he plays these top tier defenses. We do not see anything close to what we see when he plays. You know, as as Moxley likes to say, some directional school somewhere in the middle of nowhere, like Middle Tennessee or Northern Eastern, whatever. Yeah. All right, guys. So let's let's get into some of the action here for today. We're going to start it off as we always do with no, or we're going to do Jarek's G five. <laughs> That's what I was Draft. going to. Oh, yeah. my bad. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. Jeez, he caught me off before I could say we start <laughs> off with Jarek's by the numbers, a weekly segment that he does. Yay, Jarek. When you just Jarek. don't understand the numbers, it's time to dive into the classroom with a beautiful mind, Jarek Backus, and by the numbers. Thanks. Today I'll be looking at which G5 quarterbacks I believe have the best shot at draft capital. For this, I'll be looking back the last 10 years to see which QBs have historically gotten day one and two draft capital. Then I'll take that info and apply it to the 2022 class to see which of them have the best shot. The metrics I care about most for projecting college QBs to the NFL and the ones I'll be looking at here are average QBR, which is ESPN's quarterback rating on a scale of 0 to 100, EPA per play, the expected points the quarterback added averaged by the number of plays, 
adjusted yards per attempt, the average yards per attempt with a boost added for touchdowns and a penalty for interceptions, completion percent, and rush yards share, the team share of rushing yards. These give you a well-rounded picture of the player and how they should translate. Looking back at the last 10 years, some of the G5 players who have gotten good draft capital are Colin Kaepernick, Derek Carr, Zach Wilson, Jordan Love, Josh Allen, etc. When you take these players and find the group's average for the stats I listed earlier, we can whittle the list of G5 QBs in the 2022 class down to only six names. Lane Hatcher, Grayson McCall, Malik Willis, Dustin Crum, Jack Cohn, and Tanner Mordecai. These players all had over the average for the metrics I care about. Those values are a QBR of greater than 66, an EPA per play greater than 0.35, a completion percentage of greater than 62%, and an adjusted yards per attempt of greater than 8. Digging into these players a little more, I can't tell you everyone will declare this year, but we can look a little deeper to see which ones have the best shot at NFL success. My number one out of this group is Malik Willis of Liberty. He has the highest QBR at 86, EPA per play at 0.56, and rushing yards share with a massive 30% of his team's yards. He was also getting first-round buzz before the season even started. My number two is Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina. He has the highest adjusted yards per attempt at 12.7, which is super impressive, a completion percentage of 74, and is a close second to Malik Willis in QBR and EPA per play. My third on this list is Tanner Mordecai of SMU. He has an impressive AYA, completion percent, and EPA per play, but his QBR is really lacking. QBR adjusts for opponents, so Mordecai's other stats may look good due to him facing lower competition. These are the three G5 QBs I see who have the best shot at day one and two draft capital. So, you may be thinking, where's Carson Strong? It's a travesty to leave him off. Well, I've seen the highlights too, and they look like he has pinpoint accuracy, but the highlights don't capture everything. For one, his average QBR is only 53. Yikes. His rush yard share is literally negative, his completion percentage is 67, and his adjusted yards per attempt is only 7.8. He literally only checks one box, and that's completion percentage. I'm just not impressed. So, in summary, my top three QBs I see getting day one and two draft cap are Malik Willis, Grayson McCall, and Tanner Mordecai. Thanks. Now back to you. Alrighty, guys. Let's get into our predictions. Like we said, some not not as many marquee matchups this week, so uh, we, we we try to pick the best that we could. I know some of these sound underwhelming, but. What do you want us to do? Um, first up here, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. Uh, Wisconsin gets the week off to prepare. I don't care. I'm still taking Notre Dame. I think it'll be a close game. It'll be probably one of the more boring games I watched this year, um, but I will watch it and I will be sad after uh, Notre Dame wins. Yeah, this is a this is a defensive battle here in this one, but I do think the extra week off that Wisconsin got to prepare for Notre Dame is going to help. Um, I don't think either of these teams have very good offenses. I think both of these teams have pretty good defenses. Uh, but Wisconsin, I think, is going to be able to run the ball decently well, which has been Notre Dame's weakness. So it can be Wisconsin. 
Yeah, I am also taking Wisconsin. The week off, I think, helps running game. Uh, I hate to say that because I'd love for Notre Dame to be undefeated going into playing Cincinnati next week, but I, I think Wisconsin barely pulls off the win here. Yeah, I like Wisconsin too. I, I think that that week off does does mean something, and Notre Dame has just not looked right this year. I don't think that the Jack Cohn revenge game means anything, so I think the Badgers – the Badgers win. I think there's a chance that Notre Dame covers, but this game's going under. I like uh, Notre Dame in this one. I think, like everyone said, it's going to be low scoring, defensive, but I do think Notre Dame will, you know, kind of throw the ball a little bit. Wisconsin's just so conservative. I, I have Notre Dame coming out victorious. All right. Next game up here Texas AM, Arkansas. Look, I need to start picking my my places here so I can win this competition. Um, <laughs> Arkansas played well against Texas. I mean, they, they've played well all season. I'm taking Arkansas to upset another Texas school today. Go Hogs. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they played well against Texas, but Texas A&M is, is better than Texas. Um, Texas A&M has a really good defense. I'm kind of off of pretty much everybody in this entire game. I think this is going to be another low-scoring game. I think it's going to be another defensive battle. Uh, but I think Texas A&M is just going to be too much for Arkansas here. I don't love Calzada, but I love Spiller, so I think they're going to ride him. This was a very tough pick for me, but I'm actually going to agree with Austin. I'm going Arkansas. I, I You're know the one I'm trying to catch. What are you doing? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> oh, you get to look I, at I the picks see. as you do this, and you can change strategically. No, I, I – Put mine in. Anyways, uh, I it was I really like Arkansas's offense. I know Texas A&M has a very good defense. I do not believe in the offense we saw at a Texas A&M last week. I think Chris Moxley's favorite quarterback in all the nation, Zach Calzada, is going to struggle today. They're going to have to rely on Isaiah Spiller. I think that Traylon Burks is going to make a big play in this game that changes it and swings it in an Arkansas's favor. Give me the Razorbacks. So I have Texas A&M. And I really wanted to take Arkansas. Um, Sam Pittman, since taking over, actually has the highest cover percentage in the country of any coach. Covers like 77% of the time. But they're missing two offensive linemen, including including Stromberg. I don't think he's going to play. I think those two those two are, are huge deals. Um, and I, I Traylon Burks is in a boot all week, too. Like, he, he is not healthy. Um, and I don't know if that's a lingering injury, but... He he is hurt, and I don't. I just don't think they have the firepower this week to to take Texas A and M, even though they're home. Love to see it. I just don't think it's going to happen. No, I agree. I'd take in Texas A and M. I think uh, you know with Burks not being totally healthy and KJ Jefferson against that defense, I think he might be a little bit turnover prone. Um, so give me Texas A and M, even if their you know offense isn't as potent as it as it was earlier in the season. All right, Michigan State, Nebraska. Um, I think we're clean sweeping this one. Maybe I, I Michigan State. I I just don't. The last people are giving Nebraska credit for last week, and I think that was more due to Oklahoma just playing very poorly. Give me Michigan State. Yeah, I, I'm completely there with you. I, I don't think Nebraska is very good, um, despite making it kind of close last week there against Oklahoma. Uh, Michigan State's looked pretty good, and their offenses looked good surprisingly. So uh, I think they're. Uh, yeah, definitely give me Michigan State in this one. They're kind of a surprise team so far. Yep, I'm on with Sparty as well. Kenneth Walker's going to run all over Nebraska. I think Adrian Martinez will keep it close, but I think Michigan State wins it. 
Yep, I'm all over the Spartans this week. I, I think that there's a good chance that this game um, is close as well, but mm, Michigan State's going to pull it out. Yeah, I'm going with Sparty too, but I, I actually have to start Adrian Martinez in the league today. So, so do I. I think, so do I. I think so I'm hoping have, he keeps it close. Yeah. Yeah. Either keeps it close or kind of comes back like he did against Illinois, you know, some garbage kind of time and a lot of running yards. But yeah, I have Sparty in this one. The garbage time god. All right. UCLA, Stanford, guys. Uh, I think it's a close game, but UCLA, they bounce back. Yeah, same thing. I think UCLA is a little bit better than than what we saw last week. They're losing to Fresno. I don't really trust Stanford yet either. They're a little bit questionable offensively. So give me uh, UCLA. Same UCLA. They'll bounce back. Stanford's good, but I trust that offense more. Yeah, give me the Bruins. I I don't think it's going to be very close. I think they cover it four and a half easy. Yeah, UCLA. They get the running game going this week. A lot of sweeps. Last one here: LSU, Mississippi State. Uh, close game again, but LSU, I think, in the end pulls this out. Yeah, same here. I, I do think this is going to be a pretty high-scoring game. I think it is going to be pretty close, but uh, LSU's got a lot of firepower on that offense. Um, uh, give me LSU. I went LSU because Austin did. I'm just kidding. I, I, I think that uh, Max Johnson will be able to help LSU pull out the win here. Yeah, right, I you uh, said you want – oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No. No, I was just going to say, I, I like uh, LSU as well. I, I think that um, that Mississippi State offense is just too inefficient, and I think LSU is kind of getting back on track a little bit offensively. I'm going Mississippi State. More cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we get out of here really quick, since Austin referenced the standings, right now I'm sitting alone at the top at 17-3. and three. Austin is at 15-5. and five. Colin, you are at 14-6. and six. Brandon is at 15 and five though that Mississippi state game is going to come back to haunt you. And then Moxley, you are sitting at last with 12 and eight. Oof, man, I got to get different. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in for the first hour. Stay in your seats, stay where you are here for the second hour of the show. uh, As we welcome in Alfred and will to, and Chris is the one that remains and they're going to walk you guys through some of the DFS lineups for today. Um, some more uh, of the betting lines and things like that. So uh, enjoy uh, your day here, guys. Um, uh, hopefully all your teams win and your fantasy teams uh, hit it big. Go Buckeyes. It's Coast to Coast presented by CampusToCan.com. Listen. We're recapping everything from this week four of the college football season. I need you guys to do two things for me. First of all, jump in the chat. Let us know that you're having fun. We want to know where you're listening from. Uh, And then two, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Turn on your notifications so you can know every single time we go live. We go live in the morning with a tailgate. We tell you who to start, starts and sits. We get you ready for your prize picks, uh, picks. And uh, and 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 then a coast to coast at night. That's what you're here for right now. So hit the subscribe button. Turn on your notifications. We start every coast to coast with the rundown so we can know, let you know all of the relevant games and what happened. Let's start with Notre Dame, Wisconsin. This was a bit of a bloodbath game. Jack Cohn goes out in the third quarter. Tyler Buchner was not available. This game was really, really tight all the way through a real a defensive showdown. Chris Tyree in the third quarter takes a kickoff for 98 yards uh, after Wisconsin took the lead with a field goal. 
After that, the momentum was just with Notre Dame, and Wisconsin really couldn't come back. We got to remember, Chris Tyree ran that 4-2-3-40, 4-2-3-40-yard dash in 2019 coming out of Virginia in 2020. Um, Graham Mertz, a couple of turnovers in this game. Terrible turnover on third and long uh, at the top of the fourth quarter. You know, he's got a problem developing, very highly touted prospect, but he doesn't have the weapons. He doesn't have the scheme to have the confidence uh, there at Wisconsin, and so he has been struggling. I still believe, though. I still believe he has the arm talent. He has the processing ability. He has the quick titch, the quick twitch. But what he needs is a go-to receiver. He simply doesn't have that. Two of those interceptions were wide receivers getting bullied for the ball on comebacks. They're getting bullied because cornerbacks know that they're not going to run past them. So they're sitting there on those routes. Um, but we'll see. You know, Graham Mark Mertz be, might be one of those players who stays for all four years. Friend of the show, Brian Chakotis, was very high on Kevin Austin last year. He's been injured. Kevin Austin played very well in this game, including the go-ahead touchdown to really close close it out. I don't. I think all of the fantasy-relevant players, Jalen Berger, no longer fantasy-relevant. Chaz Malusi is the one starting there. The players that you want for uh, in this game are going to be Notre Dame. They're going to be Tyler Buckner. They're going to be Chris Tyree, Kyron Williams, and maybe Kevin Austin, of course, of course, Michael Mayer, who is without question the tight end one in fantasy. Austin, let's bring you in here. LSU and Mississippi. We've got a couple of high-scoring teams and uh, defenses that are eh, eh. How did this one look today? Game played out pretty much exactly how you described it there, exactly how you thought it would. 28-25 LSU. Uh, mostly uh, damage done in the passing game for both teams. Mississippi State, you know, Mike Leach there is the head coach, known for that high-volume kind of low A-dot pass attack. Uh, Will Rogers today, 47 for 62, 371 yards, three touchdowns a pick. Uh, the running backs there combined for about 20 receptions between them. Um, so it's just a, a typical day. You know, Will Rogers dropped back, nothing up and downfield, hit the running back really quickly move the chains. They did that most of the day. Um, no other, well, Jacobius Marks uh, had a decent day there. Nine catches, 67 yards, a touchdown, another 46 on the ground. Um, the receivers there, uh, and nothing really to write home about besides Makai Polk, who has taken over the lead job there. Eight catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown. And then just a bunch of other guys that had like five catches, 50 yards. It really, again, nothing to write home about. Jaden Wally, a disappointing day, two catches, nine yards. He seems to be an afterthought there uh, when we thought that he could kind of become a huge, huge uh, producer there uh, for our college fantasy purposes. On the Austin, LS you've been yeah. one of his staunchest supporters. Are you still a supporter of his? Uh, or are you, are you going to start to fade him? Do you still have faith? I mean, I haven't been starting him at all. Uh, since I guess like week two, um, it, it's too risky. I don't know what happened because he just he drew the targets there last year down the stretch, and the only guy they really added this offseason was Makai Polkin on a transfer who kind of failed where he was previously. I mean, it, it, it's it's baffling to me. I don't know if he's in the doghouse. I really don't know what's going on there. Um, but he, he's fallen on my rankings, um, and and yeah, I'm not starting him on any of the teams that I have him. Um, shifting over to LSU. Uh, Max Johnson had 
an average day for him, 17-27, uh, uh, 280 yards, four touchdowns. Kayshawn Boutte led the receivers there. I think, you know, it'd be a shock if he didn't. Four catches, 85 yards, two touchdowns. He's wielding just an, a ridiculous dominator rating there. Um, and we're going to start asking ourselves whether he even plays in 2022. Whether he plays in 2023. Yeah. I agree with you. I think that's a different discussion for a different day. Another offense that everybody else kind of catches two or three balls here or there. No exciting stat lines. Um, the one surprise there for LSU, Tyrion Davis-Price got the bulk of the carries today, 13 for 51. We thought it might be Corey Kiner season, four carries, 14 yards. Um, so it looks like that backfield is still pretty much completely unsettled. Um, so, I mean, not not an overly exciting day outside of the guys that we kind of expected to see something from there in that one. Austin, you also covered TCU-SMU, a battle of the Texas teams. Uh, this was a little bit of a shootout. Yeah, it was a short jump over there from the Gulf Coast over to Texas for this one. Um much more exciting game. Uh, a high-scoring 42-34 final score there for SMU. Look, Tanner Mordecai Heisman season, is it here? I, I don't really know, but SMU is 4-0. Mordecai, 17 for 28 today, 245 yards, four touchdowns. That offense goes as far as he goes. Uh, and All their weapons there today kind of lit it up. You know, Ulysses Bentley, a guy that we've talked about has been disappointing outside of two or three games here in his college career. 20 carries, 153 yards, a touchdown, and he looked good. He looked shifty. He was explosive. He was creating for himself. Um, Trey Sickers, the other running back there, got 18 carries and had over 100 yards himself. And then the receivers. Danny Gray, been the go-to guy there for SMU all season. Four catches, 130 yards, a touchdown. Started the day off their first drive with a 60-something yard touchdown catch. Um, he has become the go-to target there when we thought it would be Reggie Roberson, who went three for 40 today in a touchdown. Also had Rasheed Rice catch a touchdown. Um, so, so a big effort there. Really, the only guy that wasn't firing there for them was Grant Calcaterra, who only had one catch. Um, but a big day there for them. On the opposite side, TCU, Zach Evans' show today. He was great, to be honest. 15 carries, 113 yards, a touchdown, and then was explosive in the pass game as well. Caught a long touchdown pass there, 370 and one. I don't know how long it is until we start bumping Zach Evans up into that 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 tier with Tank Bigsby and Jameer Gibbs. I mean, really, if he keeps producing like this, I don't know what else he can do. Um, but yeah, big day there uh, for both of those teams offensively. Do we have to have Zach Evans solidly ahead of Jason McClellan now? I think so. I mean, he. Uh, we'll talk about Bama later, but McClellan didn't even handle the lion's share there today with Brian Robinson out. It was Roy Dell Williams. So you have to at least give the edge to the guy. We think we like McClellan, but Zach Evans is doing it week in, week out. Quentin Johnson was, was held catchless today. So, I mean, this offense scored 34 without him. It was all Zach Evans. I mean, that that that's a great performance uh, to put on the tape there for him. We appreciate it, Austin. Yeah, I had to check and see if Quentin Johnson was injured or what was going on there. We'll come back to you a little bit later in the show. Matt Bruning, the game that just ended here, this West Virginia and Oklahoma game. We talked about Tanner Mordecai. He put up a lot of points uh, there today against TCU. What did uh, he left? He left Oklahoma because Spencer Rattler had the job there. What did he look like today? Uh, he did not look good. Uh, the fans were chanting for Kayla Williams to come into the game and right. Hopefully so. It was 
was not a good game at all for Rattler. As you can see here, 26 to 36, 256, one touchdown, one interception. He just looked rattled in the pocket the entire game. Was not comfortable. Some of that may have been on his offensive line, but he was holding the ball long. Just did not look good. Hasn't really looked at all this season. I think there's a realistic discussion we should start having on whether or not he's actually a first round pick. You've got the run backs here. Eric Gray, 11 for 37, and Kennedy Brooks, 5 for 17. Neither one of them stepped up. In the receiving game, Mike Woods, 86 yards. Mario Williams, 34. They just, for explosive as Mario Williams looks after he catches the ball for Oklahoma, they really only throw him the ball within like a couple yards of the line of scrimmage. It, it's not pretty. I don't know what's going on with this offense. You know, Lincoln Riley is known to be this great offensive schemer, and he has not been able to get these wide receivers open like he has in the past couple years. Even, even going back to last year, how wide open some of these guys were for Rattler is not happening. On West Virginia's side here, they were switching back and forth between quarterbacks. Doge, or I don't know how to say his name, uh, for the most part was the main guy here, 2029-160. I think if they would have had a better quarterback, they'd probably end up winning this game. Letty Brown, a, a little bit of a disappointing performance here. Uh, just five, uh, 15 carries for 56 yards, uh, 3.7 average. Bryce Ford White, 93 yards on eight catches, was the main receiver for the Mountaineers in this game. Yeah, we really need to think about what Lincoln Riley is doing. I mean, you've got a lot of speed at that wide receiver position, but they really haven't been able to break through and have that explosive offensive game. Matt, you also covered uh, Tennessee and Florida. Florida, yeah. How did the Gators and Volunteers look? Uh, this was a great game up until about halftime. Uh, once the third quarter came out, Florida kind of took over this game. It was not really a lot of fun to watch in the second half. Uh, and then Hooker, though, was doing his best to keep the Volunteers in this game. Uh, did get two touchdowns, 221 yards, ran the ball a little bit as well. But Tennessee just doesn't have anything on this offense to keep up. With Florida, Emory Jones looked deep. In this one, 20 of 27, 209 yards, two touchdowns, all at 144 yards on the ground. We again did not see Anthony Richardson, whether that was due to injury or again Dan Mullen just not wanting to put him out there for any kind of QB controversy. Uh, I think Emory Jones can improve in his game, but overall played very well. Uh, and that's uh, that's really all I have on this game. It wasn't uh, was not exciting. Like the defense has played good in the first half, but Florida clearly the better team pulled away in the second half. Let's wait until we see next week and if we see uh, Anthony Richardson fully recovered from that hamstring injury. Matt, thank you. We'll come back to you later in the show. Let's welcome in biased opinions himself, Will, Mr. New Yorker. Uh, thank you for for coming on with us, one of our teammates here at CampusBecan.com. For all of your, your betting uh, needs and information, be sure to hit Will up on Twitter. Will, you covered Texas A&M and Arkansas. Arkansas is looking like a team to be reckoned with. Listen, let me tell you something. Um, if that's what we're going to get on a number seven ranked team at Texas A&M, I don't want it. Um, and it's going to get uh, even more difficult as we're going into some SEC matchups, starting with uh, Mississippi State next week. And then after that, you got Alabama. So they're going to go downhill on the trajectory, not looking too good. Not a lot to touch on there. Um, we touched on this before, had it not been for Spiller. They would have been in trouble. It would have been a bloodbath. I mean, Spiller did his thing. He ran for 95 yards with a touchdown and then um, added with 26 yards receiving, which is good. But not uh, not impressed with Calzada. He only had a total of 151 yards, passing no touchdowns and an interception, looking kind of bad. Another thing that I didn't like for them is that uh, Watermeyer, you know, he's a, he's a, he should be a big part of the um, offense, wasn't only had one catch for a total of, of eight, I'm sorry, 18 yards, which is not good. But now if we go on the other side of the ball, I mean, you got to like what you saw from K.J. Brown. Uh, seven seven completions, 
albeit it was uh, for 212 yards with two touchdowns. And then he added uh, eight Russian uh, carries. He had eight carries for 50 yards. So, and then uh, Traylon Tra- Tra- Smith, what can you say? 17 receptions for 82 yards. I'm sorry. Um, so, so yeah, 17 rushing yards, uh, rushing attempts for 82 yards. And then Traylon Burks, six receptions were 167 and one touchdown. So, these guys are looking good. Um, it's going to be it's going to be something where I think Arkansas may surprise a lot of people in the SEC, but I just don't think anybody's going to be able to compete with Alabama for the year. Traylon Burks might absolutely be the prize of the 2022 class at all at any position. Uh, it's got to be a toss up between he and well, maybe Garrett Wilson, maybe Isaiah Spiller. We'll see. Well, we appreciate you. We'll get back to you later on in the show. Brandon, hey. Come in here and let's talk about UNC Georgia Tech. This one might, is this one still going on? Uh, how did Jameer Gibbs and Jeff Sims and company look look today? No, it's finally over. Um, Jeff Sims came in, in in relief. He played very well. He had 10 rushes for over 100 yards and three touchdowns. Jameer Gibbs got 60 yards and a touchdown. And the bigger story was how bad uh, UNC offensively was. Um, Georgia Tech had eight sacks. Uh, Sam Howell had three fumbles. There were some drops and they, um, by their receivers early on, and they just could not run the ball for only uh, 68 yards rushing. And uh, Howell got, had decent numbers, um, almost 300 yards, a couple touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. But he was under pressure the whole game. They couldn't get that offense going, and they the defense just could not stop Georgia Tech once uh, Jeff Sims came into the game. So um, he really got going. He threw a passing touchdown too. So he might be the quarterback going forward and be able to um, lead that Georgia Tech offense with uh, that that defense that looks pretty good right now after the performance last week against Clemson and being able to stop North Carolina this week. Brandon, we appreciate you. Um, Brandon, uh, again, another one of our teammates here at Campus to Ken. It seems like I skipped a game here. Uh, This is definitely one that I did not want to skip. There was a lot of uh, Campus to Canton-worthy information in this one between Texas Tech and Texas. From Casey Thompson, Xavier Worthy, Bijan Robinson, Colin Decker, how did they all look today? I mean, Bijan was doing Bijan things all day. Um, He's had over 100 yards in six of his last eight games. He goes over 100 yards uh, rushing here. Uh, He has almost 100 yards on through the air as well. Uh, Nice, nice uh, uh, receiving touchdown there that he had as well. So the only complaint that I have for Bijan is we need to stop giving the ball to Roshan Johnson at the goal line. Uh, Roshan Johnson had six carries inside the 10 and Bijan only had one. Can we just let the man finish his work off here? I mean, he just, he was killing it uh, all game. And then they kept pulling him out inside the goal line. Just let, let the guy do his thing. Let him, let him cap it off with a nice touchdown. Um, Xavier Worthy. Colin, go ahead, go ahead and po- apologize to Casey Thompson. Let's get it out. <laughs> uh, I had that one next, but uh, I will absolutely not be apologizing to Casey Thompson. Uh, he had a very nice day today. Um, he, I, I won't take that away from him at all. Um, you know, 303 yards passing, but exactly one third of those yards came from two huge catch and runs by his receivers. A lot of weapons there. He game managed his way to a very nice day. Um, he brings a little bit on the ground there as well. He does not typically turn the ball over, so he is fine uh, for Texas. He is 
better than Card is. He's what they need. Um, but his arm is a noodle. Uh, I mean, you saw the ball die on that touchdown to, to Worthy. Uh, Worthy had to come back and get it. He had that pick in the end zone uh, that also just kind of floated. Seems like he struggles to throw any more than like 30, 35 yards down the field. If things go right, Casey Thompson is fine. But Casey Thompson will not be the reason that Texas wins a game this year. And I will stand by that. (laughs) Uh, We'll go back to Xavier Worthy. Uh, Huge day. Three touchdowns on five receptions. Uh, One long catch and run where he breaks a tackle, uses his speed to the end zone there. Uh, But I think the bigger story is he gets two looks in the red zone. Uh, They were looking his way both times there. And that is something that... I wasn't really expecting from him. It's not really something that I thought was uh, in his skill set at this point as a freshman wide receiver, but that's great to see. I mean, he's in on 70.7% of the snaps today. Uh, Most of them out wide, 35 snaps out wide, 17 in the slot. So they're moving him around a little bit. It seems like a Xavier worthy season though. The clear 2024 wide receiver one, Xavier worthy, former Michigan commit, Deshaun Jackson comp. Uh, we got to see Texas's offense firing on all cylinders today. Appreciate you, Colin. Obviously, we will come back to you later on in the show. My brother, Matt Bruning, let's come back in here. Um, lots of stuff going on in college football today. I mean, we got to start with Clemson going down to NC State. DJ Uyunglele finishes 12 for 26, 111 yards, averaging 4.3 yards per attempt, two touchdowns to just one interception. You know, this one was just ugly. He is currently the 103rd, excuse me, <coughs> 103rd quarterback in uh, in the country in quarterback rating. rating. He is not you, – you just absolutely cannot start him in any fantasy format. He's got to park him and just hope that he develops through the end of this season and shows more flashes. Um, listen, I caught this game and uh, wanted to figure out what the heck is going on. There's a problem that Clemson are, is running these short, intermediate breaking routes designed for slot receivers with players who are better served catching back shoulder fades. Uh all we know, we've talked about this before, where all of their wide receivers are six foot four, 190 pounds, yet they're running these three and four yard outs and those sort, sorts of things, and you just don't see separation. The other thing that sticks out to me, and this always, um, I've always remembered this theme or this particular issue when Aaron Rodgers brought it up with Mike McCarthy's offense that they all ran routes independently and they didn't work together in bunch formations or what have you to get open. And I see a lot of that with Clemson. You don't see a lot of scheming uh, to get those guys open. They rely solely on their ability to separate, and they don't have any guys that are able to separate. Um, so this it, it looks bad. It looks bad, and um, you can you can really tell the trust that the offensive coordinator has in. I don't know if it's DJ Uyunglele or the offensive line, but on third and eight, they're running routes behind the sticks. Somebody's not there's we're not trusting somebody when we do that. Um, when you're running five yard hitches on third and eight, you either don't trust your quarterback or you don't trust your offensive line. And I think it's the offensive line that NC State 
team was rushing with three, dropping eight, and they were still getting pressure. They were still getting pressure. Offensive line was a problem in that Georgia game early on. They need some speed, Matt. They need something different in that offense. They're not running the ball well. They're not doing anything well. And 4.3 yards per attempt is like he's handing the ball off to wide receivers and just he's not – DJU's not looking good. No, he is not. And I think some of that also comes down to what you mentioned with the offensive play calling. I just think this offense is outdated. Uh, We've talked a lot about that here recently on Debbie Debate, behind the scenes at Camps to Canton. I've said before I did not think Dabo was a good coach. I think a lot of that has come down to the quarterbacks that he had in in Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, who were clear game changers. And maybe we're starting to realize that maybe Debo isn't that. Uh, He is not really raising the floor of anybody around him. I agree that the offensive line does not look great, and that hurts a guy like DJU. Not having a slot receiver, I think, does as well. Having that guy like Amari Rogers that you can count on to probably be find a way to get open in the short area and then maybe find a way to get a first down is hurting them as well. They've got nothing but it seems like six-foot wide receivers, none of which are incredibly fast either. I don't know what's going to happen with Clemson down the stretch. I'm sure Dabble is going to come out and make some excuses for them later today on why they can't win or they should still be considered in the playoff consideration. They've got to do better at recruiting uh, because I'm almost positive they don't have a good wide receiver coming in. I think they got one guy that could be a slot wide receiver coming in next year's class. The running backs aren't all that solid. I know Will Shipley got hurt. I don't know if it was serious or not in this game. It's just this is not a not a good team right now. They don't have a transcendent quarterback, it looks like, and a Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson and that can raise the level of everybody around them to make them a very good team. I do want to note there are just two really good throws by DJU in this game. Uh, on one particular play, he was in the grasp of a defensive lineman, got out of the grasp, and then floated a corner route to, I believe it was Nada. I mean, it was 25 yards down the field. D, uh, Nada had two defenders around him, and DJU kind of threw him open, again, just getting out of the grasp of a, of a, of a defensive end who was – Going to sack him. Just a really nice play. And then he had about a 30-yard touchdown to Justin Ross today where uh, he scrambled to the right, threw the ball, and hit Justin Ross high and tight. I mean, it's just that ball was on a rope. So he is still showing flashes. But, I mean, kind of I mean, he talked about Graham Mertz earlier. I don't know that DJU has a go-to wide receiver. Oklahoma does have go-to wide receivers, but their offense is still stagnant, Matt. Uh, Spencer Rattler, 26 for 36 today, 256 yards, one touchdown, one interception against West Virginia. They needed a field goal to win 16-13 late as time expired that day. You got OU fans doubting. We want Caleb. I think it's time to be concerned about this offense, about Spencer Rattler. They might have offensive line problems too. That West Virginia defense is ranked 40th in total defense, 34th in pass defense, and 61st um, in in uh, rushing yards allowed. Yeah. You know, I, but we shouldn't be talking about defenses when Lincoln Riley's the coach, when you've got Mario Williams, you've got uh, uh, Marvin Mims, you've got Mike Woods, you've got all of these, you've got Austin Stogner, all of these weapons, and we just haven't really seen – Oklahoma firing all cylinders, even though they're still they're still undefeated, so they're winning. But we haven't seen the best of this offense yet, and I'm not sure if we will this season. 
I don't think we will. And had this been a one-week thing, I would probably be saying, hey, let's pump the brakes. They didn't look good against a good uh, a Tulane team that I think is decent, but they're not good. They almost got beat by Nebraska last week, who I know is not good. I shouldn't say not good, but they're not great. I, I wouldn't have been surprised had they struggled against a team like West Virginia. You just talked about how good their defense is. I think it just points even more to maybe Eric Gray is not quite the guy. Many thought that he was going to be coming over here and the fact that they couldn't get anything going in the rushing game. Kennedy Brooks didn't look great, but I'm with you. They've got these incredible wide receivers. Last year, if you go and you were watching film or watching even just the the games on TV – Lincoln Riley was scheming these guys wide open. There was multiple plays where Marvin Mims was coming from one side of the formation and just getting wide open. Spencer Rattler was getting to hit him with 20 yards of space. We're not seeing that. I don't know if it's an issue with play calling, if it's an issue with the offensive line, because today it did look like they were not giving Rattler enough time to be able to allow those plays to develop down the field. That being said, Rattler was still missing on throws. There was one throw that he made into the end zone in a very tight window. He almost completed mm-hmm. that was very impressive, but – he just has not looked the same. Uh, Kevin Coleman, who's a part of our team over here, mentioned uh, on Twitter that there are rumors that there's stuff going on behind the scenes with Rattler. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but he does not look like the same player he looked in the back half of last season. And maybe that's all it is. Maybe he just struggles at the beginning of the season, takes a little bit of time to get going. We'll see. But if they keep playing like this, they're going to get knocked off by a Texas I wouldn't even be surprised if they get knocked off. I don't think they'll – no, they won't play. They're going to get knocked off by somebody. There's no way they're going to go through the season undefeated if they continue playing this way. An interesting story that I want to track is what happens to Spencer Rattler at the end of the season because he could potentially decide to come back and not go to the NFL draft. I don't think it's guaranteed that he actually keeps the job next year. So could we see this Heisman front-running candidate potentially transfer to another school because you've already got the fans there cheering for Caleb Williams, cheering for Caleb Williams and say what you want about Caleb Williams as a passer. He is going to be an elite rusher. He's going to be Anthony Richardson. He's going to be Cam Newton. And he's, he's going to be the best rusher that Lincoln Riley has had since Kyler Murray. And he's a different type of rusher. He's got that Tim Tebow type size. So I, man, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens to, uh, uh, Spencer Rattler at the end of this season if he continues to play the way he has and he doesn't project as a first-round draft pick because I don't think right now that an NFL team is going to invest first-round draft capital in him. Now, your first-round quarterback in, in yeah. your heart, uh, Matt Bruning, Kyle McCord got the start today. Yep. That Ohio State offense looked a little bit different even though it was a weaker opponent. Yeah, he, uh, let's be honest, he struggled to start off this game. Uh, overthrow on Chris Olave, threw one behind Chris Olave as well, missed Garrett Wilson. He started to settle down in the after the third drive. Looked like Ryan Day started getting him a little bit of those shorter throws we were seeing C.J. Stroud make, a little bit behind the line stuff, screen passes to kind of get McCord in rhythm. He definitely progressed as, this, as the game went on. I, you know, I know people expect me to not be unbiased here. I don't know that he played good enough to push Stroud though if I'm being honest he had some really good throws in this game the touch throw to Emeka there was a throw to JSN where he had to adjust to it a little bit but still a very good throw I think we saw the differences regardless of Stroud's uh issues with the shoulder which we still don't know what's going on I think we saw McCord clearly has more zip on his passes than Stroud does some of the throws he made to the opposite sideline were really good and that's what we know with him but we also saw the mistakes and what what Ryan Day has been worried about in the third quarter he did a really good job of avoiding the rushes moving around in the pocket extending the play 
And then he throws a bad pass that's intercepted. And that's always been the issue Ryan Day has with him. He just wants you to distribute the ball. He doesn't want to come back to the sideline and say, what were you thinking? And those were the exact words he gave McCord. You could see the look on his face as McCord came back over at the intercept. He's like, what were you doing? And I think that's the biggest issue with McCord. I hope that he continues to get some playing time. There are were rumors that if he played well enough, they were going to give him some time against Rutgers and Maryland. And then you go into the bye week and maybe you see a quarterback change We'll see what happens. I thought he played good, but maybe not good enough to push Stroud for that starting job. Uh, first time a true freshman quarterback and running back starting in the same backfield for Ohio State. Uh, McCord was 13 for 18 for 319 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Very impressive, 17.7 yards per attempt average. I always like to see that number over. I mean, he's paying, playing Akron, but I like to see that number over 10. Just for comparison, uh, last week against Tulsa, CJ Stroud was at 7.4 yards per attempt and against Oregon, he was at nine. So, all right. Um, all right. Those are the headlines for this week. Let's bring in the rest of the crew here to talk about whose value saw the biggest change today in campus to Canton formats, bringing in Austin and Colin, who else is here? Um, all right, Austin, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it. I'm gonna toss it to you. Who, whose value changed this week? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Felix. Here, um, a a busy week in college football, guys. Thanks again to the three of you for hopping in here with us again. Will, Colin, and Brandon, guys. We do a weekly stock up, stock down here. Um, Colin, I'm gonna come to you first. Um, who do you think today saw their stock move one way or the other uh, the most? Um, this is a guy that's raised his stock throughout the beginning of this season um, so far and just raised it again today, and that's Zach Charbonnet. Um, he handled the bulk of the carries here in, in this one. Um, he gets 25 carries, 209 yards, and a touchdown. Also five receptions for 49 yards. Uh, I mean, he just had a stellar day overall, and – He's just had an extremely efficient start to the season this year. It's averaging 10.5 yards per carry. That's not going to continue, but he's scored at least one touchdown in every game this year. And the fact that he got the bulk of the carries today, 25 carries, Britton Brown had eight. Uh, it shows that Chip Kelly's starting to trust him. And he's a guy that you're going to be able to rely on week in and week out for your uh, C2C rosters from the college side. And then his he's showing his Debbie potential. He's showing what he showed the freshman year at Michigan when he kind of showed out. I had a down year his sophomore year, but we're seeing why he was such a highly rated prospect coming out. Is he somebody, Colin, that you're comfortable now in a C2C league starting pretty much weekly, barring some sort of crazy difficult matchup? I mean, they're they're scheduled the rest of the year. Let me just get read it off to you here. Um, they have uh next week Arizona State, then they have Arizona, Washington. Oregon, Utah, Colorado, USC, and Cal. Is Oregon the only game there that gives you some pause, or are you even worried about that one? Uh, the Oregon game maybe gives me a little bit of pause, but honestly, and again, the efficiency is not going to continue, but through four games, he's averaging 10.5 yards a carry. Uh, first game, six carries, gets 106 yards and three touchdowns. Second game, 11 carries, 117 yards and a touchdown. So even if the volume isn't necessarily there, which I think it will be moving forward after what we saw tonight. He's shown that he can put up huge number, huge games on a small amount of carries. Um, so yeah, I, I think I would start him every week. Um, even if this game where he sees 25 carries is maybe a little bit more of an aberration, which I don't think it is, but even if it is, 
he's still produced every week. You have to start him. All right. Well, let's come over to you. Who do you think saw a significant shift in value today? Man, I tell you what, first of all, um, I was all on, you know, you guys call him Charbonnet. I call him Carbonate, but um, I was really high on him. So we're going to go with another guy um, right behind them. And, and and I was shot down by Brandon, but I got a uh, Adrian Martinez. I know him as Heisman Martinez, just for the simple fact that this guy's playing well. Um, If you look at what he did today against Michigan State, uh, passed for 248 yards, rushed for 52 yards and added two touchdowns. But he's doing his thing. They already entered into Big Ten play. The Big Ten we saw today. They're not playing well, so anything could happen. I know that right now they're they're sitting at two and three, but um, anything could happen. Let's say like they just run the table in the in the Big Ten and come out a winner. You you may see him get called to New York. You know, Radio City Music Hall has his name written down. We'll see. There's a lot of laughter over here, but I'm going with my guy. I'm the front runner right now with uh, with Adrian Martinez hashtag Heisman Martinez. I'm gonna get a, a petition going. For him, but I really like um, what he's doing. Finally, his final year in Nebraska, he's getting to his own. Um, may be able to to, to to save Frost's job today, um, as well for the season. You know, he continues to play well. They didn't win the game, but it hasn't been one of those things where they were out of it early on in the in the in the game. You know, I think the 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 jokes on on Adrian Martinez are you know a garbage time, uh, you know, step compiler and all those those kinds of things. Past couple weeks hasn't been garbage time, has it? I mean, two close games there against Oklahoma last week, and then they almost pulled it out today against Michigan State. Absolutely. So, like I said, I mean, they're getting to Big Ten play right now. Um, it's not the uh, the conference that we've seen in the last couple of years. So, I think that he's going to be able to do some things coming up and then just building on those numbers. Yeah. And Brandon, let's come over to you. Who did you think had had the biggest shift in value today? Yeah, um, I just want to say about Heisman Martinez, I did make jokes before the show, but I actually did start him in a C2C league today, so I was happy with his stats. So, um, yeah, I think Traylon Burks, um, I didn't think he was going to have as big of a game this week. You know, there's the pictures of him in the boot and with Texas A&M's defense, but he had a great game. He had that long 85-yard touchdown just showing his, um, you know, his – his smooth route running and, you know, his balance to, you know, kind of run all the way there. And he just had a huge game and he's had a slow start to the year. He had a big game last week against a lower level opponent, but to see him do it against um, a, a very good SEC defense um, was very, was very nice. And if he can continue that the rest of the year, he could possibly move up to that wide receiver one by the end of the year. It's crazy. They only passed the ball 19 times today. He had six catches for 167 yards and a touchdown. I know we've talked a lot about on the C2C pod about KJ Jefferson holding him back. Maybe not. Maybe it really doesn't matter. Almost had another big catch there on the sideline today. Um, I'll toss out a name real quick before we move on uh, to to uh, Jarek's piece here for the week. Brock Bowers. You know, we had a discussion about him a couple weeks ago on Debbie Debate. Is he the tight end too? I said yes, but even then I thought that discussion was probably a little premature. We were only a couple games into the year. We didn't know what was happening with Darnell Washington. Um, I think today pretty much solidified it. We've kept counting this guy out. Uh, 80 yards today uh, between uh, receiving and rushing the ball. Three total touchdowns, four catches. He's a major part of their offense as a true freshman. He's big. He's athletic. You want to see him gain a little more weight and, and clean some things up, but I mean – as a true freshman to go in there and basically lead Georgia and, and most of these major receiving statistics, uh, I think even the the staunchest Brock Bauer supporters preseason would have uh, not believed you if you told them that. Uh, I, I mean, I think 
the only other tight end I think you can debate about it with is Jalen Weidermeyer, and he's kind of struggled again this year, and he's definitely not the athlete that Brock Bowers is. So I'm excited to see what this kid does over the next couple of years there. Hopefully they have some sort of plan for uh, quarterback after JT Daniels goes, but man, Brock Bowers has just been blowing me away here these past couple of weeks uh, and apologies to him. I doubted him before the piece this season. So I know he's out there watching today. Um, so, so apologies to, to Mr. Bowers. All right, let's take this over. Uh, thanks for joining us here for this segment guys. And I think will uh, you are out for the night. So uh, you can find him at biased opinions underscore on Twitter. Will, thanks for joining us. Hopefully we can get you on again here soon. Um, let's kick this over. Jarek does his weekly by the numbers segment, and he has one uh, today on G5 quarterbacks. When you just don't understand the numbers, it's time to dive into the classroom with a beautiful mind, Jarek Backus, and by the numbers. Thanks. Today I'll be looking at which G5 quarterbacks I believe have the best shot at draft capital. For this, I'll be looking back the last 10 years to see which QBs have historically gotten day one and two draft capital. Then I'll take that info and apply it to the 2022 class to see which of them have the best shot. The metrics I care about most for projecting college QBs to the NFL and the ones I'll be looking at here are average QBR, which is ESPN's quarterback rating on a scale of 0 to 100, EPA per play, the expected points the quarterback added averaged by the number of plays, adjusted yards per attempt, the average yards per attempt with a boost added for touchdowns and a penalty for interceptions, completion percent, and rush yards share, the team share of rushing yards. These give you a well-rounded picture of the player and how they should translate. Looking back at the last 10 years, some of the G5 players who have gotten good draft capital are Colin Kaepernick, Derek Carr, Zach Wilson, Jordan Love, Josh Allen, etc. When you take these players and find the group's average for the stats I listed earlier, we can whittle the list of G5 QBs in the 2022 class down to only six names. Lane Hatcher, Grayson McCall, Malik Willis, Dustin Crum, Jack Cohn, and Tanner Mordecai. These players all had over the average for the metrics I care about. Those values are a QBR of greater than 66, an EPA per play greater than 0.35, a completion percentage of greater than 62%, and an adjusted yards per attempt of greater than 8. Digging into these players a little more, I can't tell you everyone will declare this year, but we can look a little deeper to see which ones have the best shot at NFL success. My number one out of this group is Malik Willis of Liberty. He has the highest QBR at 86, EPA per play at 0.56, and rushing yard share with a massive 30% of his team's yards. He was also getting first round buzz before the season even started. My number two is Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina. He has the highest adjusted yards per attempt at 12.7, which is super impressive, a completion percentage of 74, and is a close second to Malik Willis in QBR and EPA per play. My third on this list is Tanner Mordecai of SMU. He has an impressive AYA, completion percent, and EPA per play, but his QBR is really lacking. QBR adjusts for opponents, so Mordecai's other stats may look good due to him facing lower competition. These are the three G5 QBs I see who have the best shot at day one and two draft capital. So, you may be thinking, where's Carson Strong? 
It's a travesty to leave him off. Well, I've seen the highlights too, and they look like he has pinpoint accuracy, but the highlights don't capture everything. For one, his average QBR is only 53. Yikes. His rush yard share is literally negative, his completion percentage is 67, and his adjusted yards per attempt is only 7.8. He literally only checks one box, and that's completion percentage. I'm just not impressed. So, in summary, my top three QBs I see getting day one and two draft cap are Malik Willis, Grayson McCall, and Tanner Mordecai. Thanks. Now back to you. And here I am ignoring Jarek, uh, shading Carson Strong. I'm going to have to have a conversation with Jarek. What's going on, Austin? Hey, how's it going? Long time no talk. Long time no talk. Austin is here with our left coast check-in tonight. Uh, Kevin Coleman is, on, you know, we, we got to give guys a little time off. So Kevin is taking some time off. Austin, let's check in here with uh, South Florida BYU on right now. How's how's my guy Brian Bate looking? Well, we talked before the show. You said, how's Brian Bate looking now? He had negative five yards. Now he has two yards. So things looking up there for your guy Brian Bate. Things like 700% not, improvement. <laughs> things not looking up for South Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, uh, I think B, I mean, BYU is definitely a better team than most of us thought they would be losing Zach Wilson. They don't have Jaron Hall tonight. He got knocked out at the end of their game last week, said that he just had the win knocked out of him. If he, if they, they, he got knocked out in like the last, their last play. Didn't come back in. Arizona got the ball, and they they ran out the clock with it. He said if they had gone back on the field, he would have come back in. Well, he's not playing at all this week. I don't know if they just kind of viewed this as a game where they could get through without him or not. But they have Baylor Romney in at quarterback, who's been serviceable tonight. 13 for 16, 181 yards, uh, two touchdowns. Tyler Algier getting himself going as well there uh, with two touchdowns on the ground. And then Puka. Puka Nasua, a guy that we left for dead there, has three catches for 75 yards. Um, and... Nothing notable to report on the other side there, but 28-6 at the half. Puka Nakua, the old Washington product, now they're at BYU. Arizona and Oregon, have we seen uh, Tyler Thompson yet? This game has not been the blowout that I thought it would be necessarily. Oregon is kind of letting them hang around. It's 24-10 to here with about four minutes left in the second quarter. Um Anthony Brown is, is is typical Anthony Brown self, you know, not a great passer, 99 yards, two touchdowns here in the first half. Uh, the running game, I don't know if they're resting Verdell tonight. He's only got four carries. It's Travis Dye, Anthony Brown are out rushing him there. Um, just not a particularly exciting offensive performance there. And Arizona, I mean, I'll be honest, apologies if there's Arizona fans watching, but do we really care about anybody on that team? They're in contention with Vanderbilt for the worst team in the Power Five. Um that's all I got to say about that. We need to put a bowl game together with Arizona and Vandy. And uh, yeah, I want to see the money line on that one. All right. Oregon State and USC. No Jackson Dart this week, Austin, or for the rest of the season, likely. Watching this game right now, uh, 14-7 here, USC. Oregon State has the ball and driving with about six minutes left in the second quarter. This has been a really, really weird game. Um, neither team particularly great on offense right now. USC's second touchdown came when Keaton Slovis fumbled a snap in the shotgun. Keonta Ingram picked it up and ran it in from like 15, 20 yards out. Uh, that drive started when Oregon State threw a pick uh, in USC's end zone. I mean, it's kind of been back and forth, but but not 
uh, a lot of big performances here. Um, so we'll see if, if Oregon State can tie this thing up here before the half. And then finally, Colorado and Arizona State. Um, 14 to no 3. No Diamante Tranium today. Still no Tranium. I, I don't know. I, they they're really keep saying he's going to be back this week and no sign of him yet. Uh, halftime there, basically 14-3. The game has gone back exactly how you'd expect it to. Jaden Daniels, fine through the air, 10 for 16, 138 yards. Rashad White has the touchdown there for them, seven carries for him. Um, LV Bunkley-Shelton sighting, a couple of catches. Um, but uh, but nothing else really there to report on the other side of it. Colorado, Broussard has seven carries, three yards. I mean, it's it's not a very exciting offense there. They they struggle with the ball, so I think this is going to be an Arizona State win here. We really need to start thinking about where Rashad White will be drafted and how he ranks amongst this 2022 class. Uh, I could see him having the size and the pass catching ability to get day two draft capital. Um, all right. Let's bring in the rest of the group here. Whoever's left, who's who's ever who whoever is left here uh, in the campus to Canton team, bring everybody in. Hey, Brandon, Colin. I don't know where should we start. Um, how about this? I'm going to throw it to the group. Anyone just jump in and answer. Do we owe Kyle McCord an apology after his performance today? Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's all i had to say austin i can go back and win now okay i said matt do you want in i mean matt go ahead man why do we owe why do we owe uh, Kyle McCord. I mean, apology. I can go and pull all the receipts if you'd like, Felix. He's never going to start a game. He's going to transfer by September. He's never going to throw a pass for Ohio State. I mean, he did not look that bad what? out there. Like, Austin said all the same things. Uh, Austin, if I remember, and I don't want to side with Austin here because he did kind of throw McCord under the bus a little bit. The the thing that Austin did say was the only reason he thought McCord wouldn't win the job is because Stroud had been there longer, but that he has openly said multiple times that he thinks Kyle McCord is a very good quarterback. So I don't want to throw Austin under the bus too much. He, he, you know, I don't, I don't remember him ever saying Stroud was better than McCord. Usually it was Stroud's been there longer. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that. Now maybe it was just you trying to rile me up all the time, but you, you went after Kyle McCord like he stole your girlfriend or something that time. So <laughs> Kyle McCord looked really good today. Uh, he, he definitely has a better ball than CJ Stroud, but we'll see uh, how they look, how they look next week and how the quarterback reps are distributed there. If we're going to talk about Ohio state, Brandon, let's go ahead and jump to Michigan. This was not the blowout that we expected it to be uh, Michigan taking on Rutgers who should be starting for the Wolverines at quarterback. So I think they've kind of missed their opportunity to put, um, to put McCarthy in because they're at Wisconsin and at Nebraska, and that's two weeks. So they did play him the second half last week, and I assume they thought that they would um, get to play him more today. This was really the first time where Cade McNamara really, really looked bad when the game was up for grabs. They couldn't run the ball, so that was – worrisome so i think kate will probably get the rest of the year unless they drop a couple and then want to play mccarthy but um i i think i think harbaugh may probably mismanage able the ability to get mccarthy in um for the rest of the season this year 
for those who haven't seen JJ McCarthy or Michigan play this year, because they haven't, there's not a game that you would really want to watch Michigan yet this year. What type of player is is McCarthy to you, uh, Brandon Hay? Yeah, I think he definitely has more um, of the running capability. He's done a couple of read options where he's ran for some yards. He's more of the gunslinger. He has more arm talent than McNamara. Um, he's still, I don't think, is totally ready, so I can't really blame Harbaugh you know, fully for that. But for Michigan to fully reach their potential and compete with Penn State and Ohio State, they need a better passing game. And right now they just don't have they don't have it. I've defended McNamara a little bit the first couple of weeks, but today it was really bad. And to be totally honest, Rutgers should have won this game. Rutgers should have won this game, and there are a lot of teams that need better passing games, especially when you're averaging under five yards an attempt. Uh, Colin, where would you rank DJ Uyunglele uh, uh, amongst your quarterback rankings? I mean, are you moving him at all? Yeah, I mean, I feel like at this point, honestly, I have to move him down. Um, I, like everybody else at our site, with the exception of Alfred, has DJU as our number one quarterback um, at this point. And with the rankings update coming out on, with the rankings come out update coming out on this weekend, that may change, but uh, I, it's going to change for me. I, you, you have to, you have to drop him at this point. You know, we, we gave him the benefit of the doubt early on in the season. We remember that Notre Dame game last year fondly, but we have not seen the same thing this year. Um, honestly, the offensive line does not look good. He looks a little bit rattled at times. He's not been handling the pressure very well. I don't think his receivers have been doing him much of a favor either, but he just does not look like the quarterback that we saw last year in that small sample size and in a bigger sample size this year. I think we had to take that and weight that heavier. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's absolutely dropping for me. Austin, let's do a name game for DJ Uyunglele. DJ U or Spencer Rattler? Jeez, you plan on giving me the hardest one the whole time? Um, Rattler. Because I think we've DJ. seen him, we, we've seen him put together more than one game in a row before that was good, and, and we have not seen that out of DJU. So I will take Rattler out of both. DJU or Sam Howe? I'll take Howe, even though the the, the perceived upside is not as great. Uh, I, I think he's a little more um, consistent. Uh, DJU or Matt Corral? Uh, Corral. I think I would take him. I prefer him at this point. Um, DJU or Carson Strong? Have a good night. (laughs) 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 DJU, I think, narrowly. Uh, I don't particularly like either at this point, so. Okay. Jarek doesn't either. Jarek's got my back. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, what else is here? Do, do, what else do we need to talk about? Do we need to talk about uh, Zach Evans? Zach Evans is, um, I think he's definitely behind the top three, the big three of the 2023 class. Um, and I'm not, you know, uh, Jace McClellan, Austin, you mentioned it. Jace McClellan was playing second fiddle. Now, he had a very good game, but he was playing second fiddle to Roydell Williams today. He still has the all-purpose skill set, but for some reason, 
Um, he he's not really taking the lead. Even in the spring game, he was he was playing with the uh, the, the with the second team, and Roydell Williams was playing with the first team in the spring game, and then today um, playing second fiddle to Roydell Williams again. He's had a role every week. Mm-hmm. I think Saban just and we said this after the spring game. I think Saban just views Roydell as the like for like replacement for Brian Robinson, and he for some reason feels like Jace McClellan gives him something a little different. I'm not Jace McClellan is is like five eleven two fifteen. It's not like he's a scat back. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's not this tiny guy that's back there, and then you have you know a big bruiser and Robinson or Roydell or whatever. I mean, he's a between the tackles guy. I'm. I'm a little confused as to why this breakdown is kind of shaken out like it has. Um, so I guess that's that's something for us to monitor a little bit. But at the same time, you know, Josh Jacobs had that role there for whatever you think of Josh Jacobs. And he was a first round NFL draft pick, uh, spelling some other guys there that that were seen as maybe more of the, the bruiser back. Um, so it's not the end of the world for, for Jace McClellan's stock. It just seems Zach Evans. I mean, he he was their offense today. I mean, Dugan was fine. He wasn't terrible or anything. Uh, but no Quentin Johnston really. I mean, he he played the whole game. He just didn't catch a ball. Um, Evans was really the only reason they were in that game for for large stretches of it. Um, so I think that matters. Uh, Colin, how how high is Brandon? Th- we're talking about Jace McClellan here, and I want to talk about another another twenty twenty three back. Brandon Thomas from Memphis. How high is he going to move up in your rankings uh, amongst that class? Uh, amongst that class specifically, um, I, I don't have my 2023 class rankings like really solidified, but I do have him as my RB 49 overall right now in all of C2C. Um, and Just I think off, that's... off the top of your head, Chris Tyree or Brandon Thomas? Brandon Thomas, easy. Okay. All right. Uh, Matt, you had a question. Go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, Brandon, you were talking a little bit about J.J. McCarthy there with Michigan. I somewhat disagree that they need to go to a more of a passing game. I mean, their biggest uh, – I think their biggest game is probably going to be Ohio State, and we've seen that probably the five of us could could put together a pretty good rushing attack against Ohio State's defense right now. So, Michigan has been killing it on the ground. But as you mentioned, their passing game has not been successful, and neither has Notre Dame's. Do you think that either one of them are going to switch to these um, freshmen before the end of the season? And do I'll go to Notre Dame first because I think they've been the more vulnerable team. Should Brian Kelly do it quicker, Austin, so that they don't lose a game? Because once they lose, they are out of the playoff conversation. And they're going to lose next week to Cincinnati anyways. Well, I mean, uh, Tyler Buckner was out with a hamstring injury this week, but Brian Kelly may be forced into making that decision because Drew Pine played uh, in this one. And you got to believe Buckner, would, if he were available, um, would have would have pl- at least played today, might have gotten the majority of the snaps after, after Cone went out. If Cone is injured, then Brian Kelly's – uh, hand might be forced. I don't think that we see J.J. McCarthy this year. I mean, Jim Harbaugh just doesn't seem like – he seems like he's going to go the down with the ship type of coach and just continue to play with with McNamara no matter what. So that's just I, I don't know. I don't see I don't see McCarthy starting any games this year. It's amazing that a team took the cast off from an offense as poor as Wisconsin's. The guy that lost that battle 
and thought that he was good enough to be the starting quarterback on a top 10 team. Honestly, <laughs> actually, you know what surprised me the most about Notre Dame today? This is totally off topic. The fact that they've let Kelly hang around there long enough to become their all time leader in wins. That's embarrassing. <laughs> For a school like Notre Dame that has the aspirations they do, they've allowed that man to be there, the head coach, long enough to become their all-time winningest head coach. I'm sorry, Irish fans. I actually feel free on that one. I mean, he's gotten them in the playoffs. You know, how many other how many other coaches can say that? And they've gotten blasted. He, I mean, they have never he really took to, he took them to the title, even though they got blasted in that game too. They've never I mean, been a real the They've never that's been the a thing, real though. If, that, if you set the bar at if you set the bar at the playoffs, I mean, what, Chip Kelly got Oregon in. I don't even remember who Washington's head coach was at the time that Washington got in. So, like, you're not really setting the bar high with some of the – like, if you were talking about him getting in, like, what, Chip Kelly's a high bar? He's been in twice. Well, I just think that the playoffs is a high bar. I mean, look at the you, – you can pretty much count in Alabama every year. You can count in yes. – Clemson every year, but this year, not going to get in this year. Um, you can count in Ohio State pretty much every year. So you have uh, how many teams fighting for one spot? I think the but fact that he's gotten them in is is impressive. But I it mean, typically goes to an undefeated team and they never play anybody. That's, that's the problem. That's the, what it comes down to is they're coasting off of reputation a bit. Yes. Um, as opposed to actual actual play and, and and quality wins you don't see that as much out of notre dame because of their schedule but he's still gotten them in and not that many and let's let's be and i never thought i would be defending here. brian kelly here so <laughs> that uh that title appearance versus alabama i mean it's always going to be overshadowed by manti Teo's fake girlfriend i mean it's well that's always going no, to be not even that they shouldn't have been there if fucking ohio state wouldn't have gotten banned from the bowl from a bowl appearance that year they were undefeated that was urban meyer's first year if i'm remembering correctly but due to whatever it was that happened with trust like him or the oh yeah uh, the that's tattoo easy, gate tattoo gate cost them a chance to be in a national now they would that not was, have beaten alabama but that was ohio state's own fault though they were i don't they were so, did i they not were so arrogant i mean they were so arrogant that they didn't think they would get caught so they played that sits and sits year the year before and the gator bowl they should have just taken the bowl band that year and then they could have played in the national championship they just thought know, they were above the law. Ohio State, you blame Terrell Pryor. Like you blame the players. All that right, you did. all right, Michigan, Ohio State fan. All right, back up, back up to your corners. Anything else? Let's wrap up. Thank you, thank you, guys. We'll see you guys again next week. Matt, Colin, Brandon, appreciate you, Austin. I mean, Week Four was okay, but we've got some really good games in Week Five. Um, I mean, I think the headline is probably Old Miss, Alabama, but you got Iowa. And Maryland uh, taking on battling on Friday night. That's going to be a t- top t- top ten, top fifteen matchup there. Arkansas at Georgia, and then Cincinnati, a potential uh, Final Four playoff contender. They're taking on Notre Dame, the one big game on their schedule. Even beyond those ones, there's a lot of other. I mean, Auburn LSU is a big game. Arizona State UCLA. Um, uh, there was another one I saw as well. Uh, Oklahoma, Kansas State, I think, would be an interesting one there. I think Oklahoma could lose that one. I mean, they so, could. They lost it last year. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a lot of really big games. I think the one that I'm most interested there is that Cincinnati Notre Dame game because that is that is a must win game for Cincinnati. I mean, there is. is. I think they 
for most G5 teams, we would say it's an unrealistic goal to go into the season and say that we we the, the end goal for us is to make the playoffs or else we have failed this season. I think that is legitimately their goal. And if they lose this weekend, they cannot do that. So big, big game there for them. And if they win, if they win out, there's going to be no Ohio State in the playoff. There's going to be no Iowa State in the playoff. Uh, uh, Cincinnati is going to be right there. Cincinnati is going to be right there to lock up a playoff spot at the end of the season. Oh, that that's unfolding perfectly for them. They're sitting there and, and just you know doing you know the little evil villain thing with their fingers. Yeah, it, that's what's going on. It is. It is. And of course, we will be here to take you from coast to coast following Week Five. Uh, on behalf of everyone here at Campus to Canton, our thoughts and prayers are with the Tagliere family after losing Mike. Uh, today, uh, just uh, our, our, again, we're thinking about that family. All right. Good night, everyone. <laughs>